The Legion. <sighs> of lethargic super geeks. We aren't picky. If it's sci-fi or fantasy, we'll chat about it. Welcome to the Legion of Lethargic Super Geeks. Today we are talking about uh, the latest William Gibson novel called The Peripheral. And uh, with me to talk about it in the room, I have Chip. Hello. Roy. Howdy. Scotty. Hello. And on Skype, we have Brian. Hey, everybody. Um, so uh, my understanding, very quickly, is that uh, uh, Chip and Brian read the whole thing. And uh, uh, me and Scotty read a little bit of it. I read half of it, and almost exactly half. I didn't touch it. <laughs> but we're still going to we're still going to discuss William Gibson in the process. of But this. I have read many other William Gibson books. Sure, and met him. So there you go. There you go. Then you're doing. You're ahead of me. Yeah. Um, Not really. I had to listen to him read. So some of his um, books. I'm I'm going to get a uh, a one to five ranking from both uh, Chip and Brian, but I don't think that any of the rest of us really have the right to do so. So, Chip? Um, I would give it one to five. I would give it uh, 3.75. Okay. Brian? I'm going to give it a 2.75. <laughs> Not bad for Brian. All right. Well, so oh, I didn't. This is, this is good. You guys will enjoy this. This is a little side thing. We talk about this during all of our book reviews because of the uh, first book. It was one of the first books we did. Um, I am currently reading the second book. Um, in the uh, oh god, what was the name of the the, the first one? Um, Symbiote. Sim, yeah, I'm reading Symbiote. So, so and Parasite it was, it was the uh, what was the first book we Parasite. read? Parasite was in that. Parasite. 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 Yeah. And I'm gonna change my I'm gonna change my uh, score on that only because I realized the reason that I gave it a four at the beginning was because I saw something where the story could go. I saw potential in it that I'm guessing you guys either didn't see or just, you know, you're basing it just purely off of what you read. Yes. But yeah. she went where you guys thought she was going to go. I'm giving her a one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. How far we fall. It's, it's painful to, it's the second, the second book is painful to, to listen to. I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get through it. I'm hoping that maybe at some point the, she wakes up and it was all a dream sequence, but um, I don't think it's going there. So, so it's kind of like High, uh, Highlander 2, is what you're saying. <laughs> uh, I don't know that anything could really be that bad. Well, the I promise of Highlander TV. 1 was so good for Highlander 2 yeah. to be that bad. Well, yeah, oh. yeah. Okay, well, so, so William Gibson, here we go. Um, the peripheral. So, uh, Chip, give us a quick... Quick synopsis of the book. Quick synopsis. Uh, the book takes place in two times. Um, there is the far future, which is about probably 140 years from now. Okay. And then it also takes place around 70 years from now. Okay. Um, the people in the far future have a server, they call it, that allows them to communicate with the past. Right. Once they communicate with that past, mm -hmm. then that changes that past and it is no longer their past. I see. So it's a, they call it a stub. Mm -hmm. And um, it's about the future communicating with their past right. and hilarity ensues. And in the, world, in the future world, 
basically the only company that exists is Walmart. Did I understand that no, right? In, in, in the in the near future, yeah. it's a company called Hefty Mart. But essentially, yeah, I mean, it's like that. Um, this book is like a treasure trove for a William Gibson fan. Okay, it's got all these little things in it that you remember from other books. I see, and it's weird stuff. Like they they make references to a Texas catheter, uh-huh. right? Which is a neuromancer. And you're like, oh, I remember that Neuromancer. I mean, you're literally, you're right. talking about like a self, you know, like you see the commercials all the time for yeah. them now. Right. The polished eyelet catheter. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen that commercial. It's on MeTV. You're, you're just, and you shake and go, yeah, I hope I never get there. But anyway, um, but uh, it, um, so there's all kinds of these little things in there that like harken back to the other books. I see. And stuff. And like, you know, in 70 years in the future, yes, there's there's like one major corporation. Right. Um, most things are printed. Uh-huh. So 3D printers are very popular. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like how most people get most things. Right. Um, like she keeps referring to her phone as being printed. Right. Um, are are either I've read his first three in the Neuromancer series. Is this the same future? No, totally different futures. Okay, this is a totally different. Um, they're in the far future. They're between the the seventy years and one hundred and forty years. In that seventy year difference, there was a thing they referred to as the jackpot. Now, this is the scariest part of the book to me because this seems totally possible. In that 70 years, 70 to 80 years, 80% of the population of the world dies. But it doesn't do it all at once. Mm -hmm. There's mass famine here, then that goes away. And then there's a mass, like there's like an Ebola outbreak here. Thousands of people die, then that goes away. And slowly as these things happen, it dwindles the population. And it's not a problem because it didn't happen all at once, but it kind of builds. But then what gets them out of it is technology starts to catch up and able to stop. Antibiotics quit working because we've used them too much. Right. You know, I mean, didn't, Brian, didn't you find some of that kind of stuff kind of scary? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that really doesn't all come to light until the back third of the novel. Um, You don't realize it, I guess. Yeah, because they um, just refer to it as the jackpot. When it starts being explained to um, to the main character, I guess there's two main characters in it. There's the one from the from the the future, and the one from the well, they're both from the future. The one from the far future, and the one from the future. Well, now, so what is the motivation for the far future for speaking to the near future? Oh, um, they hire the people. The far future hires people in the near future to like basically do security, like fly these drones and secure this building, and they witness a murder. And when they witness the murder, the people who did the murder realize, know where they are. Yeah, they, they know they saw it and they put a hit out on them in their fut- in their time. So the people in the far future that hired them for security are trying to figure out who killed those people. I see. And therefore they're communicating with the past. The whole reason the book is called the peripheral is because the girl, the main character is able to go to the future and inhabit this body, which is like this basically genetically made clone. And it's referred to as a peripheral. 
I see. People use this instead of traveling to another part of the world, you would just use a peripheral there. I see. And then there's peripheral for specific things, um, for like fit, um, for like one of them's a fighting, like a martial arts trainer. Um, it gets kind of weird. It's a kind of, but it's really, really good. And I will tell you, since we've already ruined it, so if you're listening to this, the book's ruined. But anyway, if you decide to read it anyway, at the beginning of the book, you don't know what's going on. It doesn't make any sense. And it's called, I read an article, an interview with William Gibson. It's called (laughs) Cognitive Dissidents. And he wanted that to happen. You're not expected to understand what's going on when you first start reading the book. Well, see, I listened to it. On Audible, and as I'm working. And so that's why it was so hard for me because I'm like... I'm driving. We'll see, but for me, it's always disjointed because I can start it and maybe get 10 minutes here. I can get another... There's other times it's hard for me to listen to big blocks. But this one, I waited until I knew I was going to be driving for an hour or two. Yeah. And I'm going, what the hell is going on? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it, it starts having this thing where it makes sense yeah there's now it's just like and i thought i need to go back and re-listen to that beginning but yeah oh i listened to it and then immediately as soon as i finished listening to it listen to it again yeah i listened to it three times had to and that's what i that's why i give it as low a score as i do i mean it's i guess you can say there's something to that type of method in writing and everything but it pissed me off more than anything else. <laughs> Initially, it, it pissed me off. It does sound like a lot of work. It, it was, yeah. I, it, it's I a basically lot of work quit. for a story that can be still told in a different way and you get the same story across. And he, I mean, he's very descriptive in a lot of things to the point that it's like, you're just trying to world build, but it's the such minutia that they could have probably killed. I mean, I listened to it and I think that it may have been better if I had read it because when you start, when That's you listen to thinking. it, you start, your mind starts. Yeah. Your mind starts wondering is where he, we lost him. You there? Yeah. yeah. We're back and I didn't lose the recording. But your mind starts wondering. Yeah, that was last. Yeah, your mind starts wondering, and you 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 stop paying attention to the book for for a uh, for a few minutes, and then you you get your mind back around it, and you're like, oh, what the hell happened now? Um, and so eventually, you have to go back and listen to it. But I I got about a third of the way into it and thought, okay, I'm going to give the whole thing another chance. And I got and I listened to it all over again, and then I got about halfway through it, and I started over the whole thing over again. And I was about eight hours in at that point. Um, so it was just, it's not a terrible story. I mean, it, but I, it's just, it's just the way he told it. I mean, simply the way he told it that, that, uh, doesn't give it a higher score for me. No, he does. He does that, but he does that in all his books. Yeah, like little little minutia type things, of. like talking about barcodes. Because I, you know how they have the new QR codes. 
I mean, he has like a whole paragraph describing the QR code. And it's like, okay, you're not describing anything new. You're not predicting something that hasn't already happened. And um, it was funny. He talks about um, pork nubbins and chicken nubbins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, A lot in it. And it's like, you guys know what that is, right? Uh Uh-uh. It's it's grown meat. You know, grown in a Petri dish. Oh, okay. No, I did not. I it was, was I kept wondering. I, I was just like, assumed what it was is printed that? food. Like okay. They, so, they talk- I mean, it, you know, we've been talking about the potential for that to occur for for years now. And I, I don't know that, you know, people would ever buy it. But, you know, in his world, people have gotten to the point where they're used to them and they're a snack that people just warm up in a microwave. And so you want some pork nubbins. Sure. <laughs> so, people gotcha. eat chicken McNuggets. They'd eat nubbins. Oh yeah, if you eat a chicken McNugget, I love a McChicken sandwich. The dollar one, it's like a giant chicken McNugget. All right, I'm going to tell you a story now, and you will never eat one again. Don't tell me that story. <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. Come on. Um, story. Finger story. in one. About twelve <laughs> no, years there ago, was not. there's no meat in them. About tw- <laughs> about twelve years ago, I uh, I oh, it's twelve uh, years ago. Uh, I bought some chicken nuggets at McDonald's, and I'm eating them and. And I and I pick one of what I think is a nugget up to eat, and it was actually a um, deep fried cockroach. Nice. Rock and roll. Yum. That will not stop me from eating the McChicken sandwich. <laughs> they eat those on TV all the time. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, in other countries, that's just very ethnic. Yeah, it's, it's good. Come on, it's a little extra protein. <laughs> so you'd rather eat a pork nubbin? <laughs> Probably. They were also talking about printing out like these caramel things from the like the coffee place. And stuff, but I mean, Hefty Mart was totally like a Walmart yeah. kind of thing, you know. And but like, I'm trying to remember, and I meant to do it. I was like, because I wrote a bunch of stuff down. And of course, I didn't bring it. But like a lot of the little the little touchstones he did that were very, you know, uh, very like callbacks to all his other stuff. Well, I mean, that's cool. I, I guess what I'm saying though is that um, uh, with Neuromancer, the world building. Made a lot of sense right. because it was yeah, but entrenched was, in the story. Like right. you, you needed the world to right. be built in well, order to understand million, why the ending yeah. of it worked right. the way it did. Right. You know, well, I know a ton of people who I gave Neuromancer to that couldn't read it. They're like, I just can't, I can't get into it because I don't understand what's going on. Right, and I mean, because you when you read Neuro, that, like, I remember the first time I read it, and I read it like around when it came out. I mean, it was like been a total surrender of like I don't know anything. I'm just gonna go on faith that you're gonna explain this later, you know, and go because like read the first, just the first two chapters of Neuromancer where he's running through mm-hmm. the Night City and all the crap he's talking about. You're like, you read it now. You're like, what in the world was he talking? How did I? I want to run through time? the Night City. He said, <laughs> "Sorry, go on." <laughs> Alan's well, he, never yeah, gonna he, get over he uses a lot of terms, that. made up terms, and and you have to slowly figure out what they are, and that's that whole issue of of you start thinking about what the heck is he talking about, and you're starting to miss the story. So I mean, it's it's giving up one thing for another. Now, do I think this is as good as his initial trilogy, which they call the um, the Sprawl trilogy? No. It's probably better than the Virtual Light trilogy, which is the Bridge trilogy. Right. Um, but it's not as good as his last trilogy, which everybody but me hates. So I'm probably not a good judge of this. I just, you know, this is how bad it was. 
I, like I said, I, I kept trying to get into it. But you're not as angry about it as you were the Parasite book. Because I finished that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I learned from this one. This is, this, okay, this is how bad it was. I'm, I'm on Audible, and I looked at it, and I go to click it, and what won out over it? Ingve's autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's bad. Oh. So, which is basically. Did he read like, it? Did anybody read no, it? No, he's himself? at the beginning. It's another guy. Oh, but it's, it's basically bad. like someone took a microphone and had Ingve talk about his life. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's an it's a big, big, long interview. So, for the people who don't know who Ingve is, Ingve Malmsteen. And Ingve Malmsteen is this like shred rock guitar player from Germany? Where's he from? Uh, Sweden. 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 And. Um, he uh, he was known in the '80s, I guess, as like the fastest. He was the guy that started the whole shred thing, yeah. and everybody and else. Then, was. But he was way better. Than remember, those guys that but you him. have to say he was in like what was it, the car accident or something, and he literally had brain damage, yes. forgot everything, and relearned it. It's true. He's just as good now as he was then. He he I says he's trying to hit myself. In the mouth. That's it. <laughs> him and Pat Martino, from call, a jazz call, call, standpoint, call, call. had the same thing. Pat Martino. Had a brain All right, so back to... <laughs> I was trying to add something exciting to the story because we were talking about this damn book. It makes no sense that, Why like... I'm talking about the end. Yeah. Don't tell the end. Oh, well, you uh, want to talk about the end? Well, okay, at least at least tell us... Uh, I'm uh, never going to read this thing. You can tell me the end. All right, all right. Spoilers are coming. What, spoilers. What, how did it happen? What, what's going on? Tell us about it. Who, Brian, wait, are you talking to me? Or are you talking to yeah, Jeff? yeah, talking to you? Oh, okay. Well, um, can you guys see me? Oh, okay. Um, I I don't know. I thought the end was was really disappointing. Um, and I guess the only person I'm really talking to here is Chip because everybody else doesn't know. But I yeah. thought it was a real big build up, and it nothing. just like yeah. the end was just sort of like, and then everything fixed itself. Um, it just it was not uh, an exciting finale to uh, anything that happened, and I thought that maybe some people were going to die, and it's, they didn't. Well, they did. They they uh, disassembled a few people, but not the main characters. But none of the main characters. Well, look, yeah, he never did kills his main characters. Did you uh, did you appreciate this ending more than Granny Hulk or less? <laughs> oh, infinitely more than wow. Granny Hulk. Um, <laughs> Well, you know what? The funny thing about that one is that that book was actually I was really, I really like thought highly of that book until Granny Hulk showed up, and uh, then the bottom fell out. This one was just sort of like the bottom. Just I, I, I actually built up to a two point seven five. So um, <laughs> Granny Hulk made a, a four go down to a I think a one and a half. So uh, I guess the Granny Hulk was a little bit more disappointing because. I actually liked that book up to that point. Yeah, that book was great up to the end. And then the end was just... And we're talking about what? Aww. Skull Sessions. Unfortunately, that's his best book. Aww. That's frightening. Because it was a great book. It was a well-written book mm-hmm. up to the end. Okay, so the other problem that I generally have with William Gibson and was true in this book as well is that he tries too hard to make everybody seem like a freaking badass. What is up with that? And why is it important? 
Well, you don't want to read about boring characters. Yeah, you don't want to read about boring people. Well, I, it's not that they have to be boring. It's that there has to be uh, there has to be someone who's a badass and yeah, someone that's who's what not. What I was going to say. It, it's like this. If I always <laughs> talk like this real loud, then I can't. I mean, you know, if you don't have in, you've got contrast. to have characters that have contrast. Mm-hmm. If if who is it? silence who? and loud, you realize how loud something is. The when they brother, put the the brother was definitely the badass. She was not a badass. No, yeah, she yeah, wasn't. She Neither was, was the, the her counterpart in the far future. But every but every time that he described her, he had her in like a leather jacket, or she was smoking cigarettes that are well, older than she do, is. Doesn't or, he try to to me? And I'm no expert by any expression. I mean, on on Kurt Vonnegut or William mm-hmm. Gibson, but it seems to me like there is a little bit of the Kurt Vonnegut style the, in the way that mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And 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 it's there. There's a something in I'm his DNA. To, there's a little bit. Go ahead. Like I said, I've only read a couple right, of Kurt right. Vonnegut. I'm going to have to think about that because what I really like about Kurt Vonnegut is that you almost can't read more than a couple of pages before you encounter some like really interesting, very creative thought. And I'm not sure I get that from. Yeah, I, I I I agree. With you. No. And, and I think and with Kurt Vonnegut, his to me what I, what I think is. Kurt Vonnegut's characters, they seem like people you would want to hang out with. Right. I would want to hang out with anybody in this book. <laughs> you know, I, I would want to hang out with the book, obviously, because yeah. I did not <laughs> finish it. No, I mean, no, I know what you're saying. I, you know I what I mean? Yeah, I mean but, sure. but, but I think, yeah, I, I don't know. It just was, it, I kind of, when reading thing, it, felt that way. One it, thing part that, of it's what you're talking about, about badasses and, you know. One thing that I think William Gibson does, and it, it goes back to the characters, is he's always got to make that one character super likable. You always have to like totally, it's like he's invested in you really liking this one, like, okay. you know, and I think that that's. That might be. What it's I'm like the, obs- the opposite of Warren Ellis, where you can't like anybody he writes. No, They're all true. horrible. Yeah, yeah. He writes to, you know, like, you know, right. I'm supposed to like everybody. What was that Warren Ellis book that we both read that made us? Uh, it was. Um, what was that one? I can't remember. It was a Marvel it. comic. It was um, the one they're all Thunderbolts. No, 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 no. Uh, there, there was an actual novel that he wrote a little while ago. Oh, Crooked, Crooked Little Vein. That's it. The thing, yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I I thought it was brilliantly written, and, I, and there were lots. Uh, there were a lot of things to like about it from just the perspective of thinking that he's a he's a great author. But man, you just felt like you needed to take. <laughs> so, are we done with William Gibson? Oh, actually, I wanted to, I wanted to add one thing um, that I I thought this is where he was going with the book at one point, and I don't know. Try to try to stay with me here. Um, I thought that. What they were talking about, especially when you started talking about the, the fact that they were talking back and forth through servers and everything, is that each of these um, were actually just simulations being run in a computer, and that the simulations were actually talking back and forth to each other. I actually, that I thought, I felt, I thought that when I was trying to make sense of it at time, I actually was thinking the same. Yeah, I mean, I think that that could have gone a lot of interesting ways. And the other thing was this, and I don't know, this is only a question that only Chip can and me can really discuss, is that didn't you get a feel feeling through most of the book or, or towards you got as you got to the end of the book that this was going to be part of a series? And that we weren't going to get like a, any sort of final conclusion on it? Or, I mean, or do you no, even know never, if there's going to be more in this particular he's series? Never, he's never cliff hung a book. 
like everything's a complete book and the next series the next book might have either be in the same world or have one or two characters from the previous book um but and he's even said he doesn't see writing a sequel to this or are they always dystopias Dystopian? Dystopias. Yeah, they're all pretty dystopian, except for like the last series, which was modern day. Yeah.